Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? It's going to be fun. Get out your sermon notes. I, I want to uh, tell you today, there is a... Um, uh, well, I'm going to tell you the subject first, the topic first, and this is uh, part one, session one of five weeks of five easy steps to wreck your life, all right? So this is week number one, five easy steps to wreck your life, and today is, I'm going to teach you how to commit adultery, all right? And... Uh, before I, before I go into this, I, I do want to say, obviously, we're not actually going to teach you that. I mean, we sort of are, but you'll know the point in a second. I, I want to say this, that I know, I know that there are people in this room, and you have gone through the pain of adultery, and, and maybe that was somebody who, who cheated on you, and maybe you're the one that did the cheating. I'm, I, I there's probably not many, but I'm sure that there are some. And I, I want to say this, that, that I'm not here today to beat you up. In fact, let me say it like this. This is the best way that I know to say it. What, what, today's, what we're talking about today, this, is, this isn't about your past, but about someone else's future. Okay? So if you have gone through this, this isn't to beat you up. This is not about your past. This is about protecting somebody else's future. It's about protecting families and protecting marriages, and it's something that we have to talk about, okay? So if you're, if you're sitting there saying, oh, I, I just feel guilty, I don't want you to think that. I want you to feel grateful that God brought you through it, and also, I also want you to pray and say, Father, I know that this is, this is serious business in today's culture, and I, I, Father, if there's anybody that's leaning in that direction, help them, Lord. Help them to hear Help them not to go through what, I, what I've gone through or what our family has gone through. How many, that makes sense to you. That's okay to do, right? Okay, so, so we're going to look at 2 Samuel, one of the most, one of the most um, uh, well-known affairs that happened in the Bible. And it happened to King David. In fact, he's the one that initiated it, so it didn't happen to him. He's the one that caused it to happen. And we also know that, that David is a man after... God's own heart, and you say, wow, this guy did that, and he's still a man after God's own heart. Can I tell you, everybody, the redemption story is more powerful than you give it credit for. The grace of God is more powerful than you give it credit for. The mercy of God is more powerful than we could ever think or imagine, and David's is one of a, of a story of redemption, and so your life is also meant to be a story of of redemption. You have been redeemed. In fact, the Bible says that let the redeemed of the Lord say so, and we do. If you've been redeemed by the Lord, say amen. 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 Isn't that good stuff right there? Second Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, was David a king? Yes, he was. Was he supposed to be where he is? No, he wasn't. If this is the time when he's supposed to be away. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army, and they destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbath, but David remained in Jerusalem. 
One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. And the man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and she came to him, and he slept with her. Now, there's some things that I want to point out to you before we go any further. Uh, some, some interesting things here. First of all, we, we see that this is the wife, Bathsheba is the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And it's very important you know that it's Uriah the Hittite. No doubt there are multiple Uriahs in the area, but this is Uriah the Hittite. This is, this is somebody who grew up in pagan culture, but at some point rejected that and came to embrace the, not only the people of God, but the God of the people. And so even further, Uriah was one of David's mighty men. So there were these men that, that fought with David, and David trusted them wholeheartedly, and they, and, and, and they trusted David, and they fought together, and they were known for these incredible exploits, these incredible victories in their life. And it's, it's that Uriah. So it's not some unknown person to David. He looks, at, he looks at Bathsheba, and he says, Oh, oh, that's Uriah's wife. And you know, you know that that had to give him pause. And yet, he pursued her anyway. He pursued her anyway. And in fact, uh, pursued her, slept with her. She became pregnant. He, he took Uriah out of the battle, brought him here, and he said, I, hey, I've got to put Uriah and Bathsheba in the bed together because she's pregnant now, and uh, that's the way I'm going to cover my sin. But Uriah wouldn't do it. He said, who am I to sleep with my wife when my, when my, my army, my, my soldiers, my fellow soldiers are out on the battlefield? It would be wrong of me to enjoy the company of my wife when my soldiers are out in battle, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't go sleep with her. So David did something. He, he put Uriah at the very front of the battle line, and you know what happens in the front of the battle. Uriah got killed. And David, in effect, committed murder. Committed murder. David was in the wrong place. Remember, he was supposed to be off to war. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time, focusing on the wrong person and wanting the wrong thing. And it left a long-term mess on his hands. In fact, in fact, it very much had long-term effects, and that's, you can read that story for yourself. But, but you all know this to be true. Committing adultery never produces anything good, ever. And yet, it happens far more than you would ever expect it to. It happens all the time, and yet everybody knows it doesn't produce anything good. So why... Why do people keep giving in to affairs? 
well, let me teach you today how to commit adultery. Are you ready for this? All right, five steps to commit adultery. So you say, well, how does that happen? I don't understand when people do Well, first of all, can I tell you this? Let's all beware that those temptations could happen to any of us at any time. And we are not above temptation. There are many pastors in this nation who have fallen in this category because they thought, in all of their naivety, they thought that this was that this was something that they would never be tempted with, that they would never do. And all of a sudden, temptation turns into sin and wrecks their ministry and wrecks churches and See, people sometimes think that they're above this, but can I tell you, let's all drop that attitude and say, the devil is pretty sneaky, and he will bring temptations your way, and you need to know how to stand up in the faith, fight the good fight of faith, reject temptation, and live in holiness. And if you're not aware of your surroundings, temptation may take you into Sin. Here's five steps to commit adultery. Number one, stop investing in your marriage. I mean, just stop investing in your marriage. Don't, don't, make, your, don't make your marriage a priority. In fact, let me say it like this. Um, um, if you want to commit adultery, just go ahead and, and um, don't, don't, don't go on any date nights. Don't, don't do that. No date nights. In fact, uh, you just make excuses for that. You don't have the money. You don't have a babysitter. Uh, you don't have the time for that. Uh, just make excuses, but don't go on any dates. In fact, no quality time whatsoever. Okay, let's just do that. Let's just not have any quality time with our spouses. Let, let's, not, let's not enjoy their company. Let's not invest in them whatsoever. Let's just focus on us. Let's just, just stop investing in your marriage. That's step number one. It's hard, let me say it like this, it's hard to focus on someone else when you're focused on your, your, on your spouse. I'll get to that in a second. But when people commit adultery, typically, they stop investing in their marriage and they start investing in someone else. Number two, become emotionally involved with someone else. Become emotionally involved with someone else. Now, You've probably heard this said, and it's said because it's the truth. Emotional affairs almost always precede physical affairs. Emotional affairs almost always precede physical affairs. So it's very rare that somebody will just... Uh, go into a into a, a location, into work, and look at somebody and say, "Hey, I'd like to sleep with you. Come on, let's go." It just doesn't happen like that. What does happen? People become emotionally involved. They become emotionally involved with someone else. They, 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 start, they start giving information to someone instead of giving that information to their spouse. They start giving it to someone else. In fact, uh, uh, They'll start saying, well, my, my wife just doesn't understand, or you know what, it's been rocky for a long time, or my, my husband, he, he's just you know, off on his own, and he, he never really uh, loves me like he should, and he's never there for me, and he, he's always distracted, he's always watching TV, and, and I'm so lonely, and, I'm, and all of a sudden, you're starting to tell those things to somebody else, and, and emotional attachments begin to happen. 
And then you're feeling sorry for yourself, and then somebody else starts feeling sorry for you, and then they tell you their story, and then you start feeling sorry for them, and then all of a sudden number three takes place. It's you look for opportunities to be with him or her. Like I, I'm just I'm just looking for an opportunity to be with you. Like when you go to the water cooler, I'm going to go to the water cooler. When you go to the conference room, I'm going to go to the conference room. When you're leaving work and you're going out to your car, I'm going to go out uh, to my car at the same point. When, when you're exercising at the gym, oh, wow, what a coincidence. I'm exercising at the gym too. Like you're going to be looking for opportunities to be with this person. And at first, you don't mind if people are around because you think, well, this is harmless. Nothing's going wrong. But all of a sudden, you want those opportunities to be a little bit more private. All of a sudden, you don't want to have those conversations in public. You want to have those conversations in private. You you don't want, in fact, it's becoming a little bit awkward at this point. You don't want other people seeing uh, this relationship take place. And so you decide, no, I'm not going to talk to this person in the gym. I'm going to wait till they get out in the car, and then I'm going to talk to them while we're at the car because I want it to be a private conversation. Number four, just flirt as much as possible. Do you want to know how to commit adultery? Just flirt as much as possible. Just tell them how great they look. In fact, tell them, tell them that, that, um, that, that, they have, that, that they don't understand why their spouse doesn't treat them like a king or like a queen. I just don't understand why your spouse doesn't find you as beautiful as I do. I, I mean, just that just doesn't make sense to me. I just think you're one of the most beautiful people in the world. I just don't understand. How in the world could they not think that you are absolutely gorgeous, that you're so handsome, that you're whatever. Just flirt as much as possible. Flirt as much as possible. And then number five, rationalize your actions. Rationalize your actions and make excuses. Just start rationalizing your actions. Well, this doesn't hurt. This isn't bad. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not really being unfaithful. In fact, I'm really encouraging them. They're just so down and out. I'm really just trying to lift them up. And all of a sudden, the excuses start coming. Well, 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 I wouldn't feel this way if my wife did more of this. If my husband was more involved, if, if so-and-so was acting better, then I wouldn't feel like, and this really isn't my fault, because if I was treated better than I am, then I wouldn't be having these emotions towards somebody else. And all of a sudden... You make excuses and you rationalize to the point that, well, a kiss is okay. A hug, actually, if you want to know the truth, you know how it starts? Typically, a touching of the hand, a a putting your arm around that person, a lengthy pat on the shoulder, a caress, holding hands even just for a few seconds, and then a hug. And then a kiss on the cheek. And then a kiss. And the rest is downhill from there. Do you want to know how to commit adultery? There you go. 
But if you want to protect your marriage, how many people want to protect their marriage in the room? Then you need to listen up, everybody, because I've just explained to you what happens 80% of the time when people commit adultery, when people have affairs. That's what happens 80% of the time. Now, again, there might be a few adjustments in there, but that's typically the way that it goes. Emotional affairs always precede public, or, or, or I'm sorry, physical affairs. It's just the way it happens. It's just the way it happens. Now, this is what the Bible says in Hebrews 13.4, because this is always amazing to me. Hebrews 13.4 says, Marriage should be honored by who? By all. And the marriage bed kept pure. So, so, so when, you're, when you are tempted to cheat, what, what's amazing to me is that's not only dishonoring your marriage, but it's also dishonoring the marriage of the other person if they're married. You're not only dishonoring your spouse, you're also dishonoring the spouse of the person you're interested in. How many, that, that makes sense to you. you, you get it now. Like you're, you're not just, you're, you're not just, it's not just affecting you, it's affecting another innocent party. And the Bible says that marriage, marriage should be honored by all. By all. That, that, let me say it this way, new song, that you shouldn't only want to make your marriage thrive, but you should want everyone's marriage to thrive. You shouldn't just focus on your marriage and say, well, I want to have a successful marriage, but I don't care about anybody else. No, that's not, that's not God's plan. You should want to thrive in your marriage. You should want to have a successful marriage, but at the same point, as much as I invest in my relationship with my, my spouse, in fact, we just celebrated a, a few days ago our 21st wedding anniversary. And um, yeah, we went out for a couple of days. We just spent a couple of days together. And I, I just said, baby, this is your weekend. What do you want to do? And that's what we're going to do. And that's what, that's what we went out and did. We just had a great couple of days together. So as much as I want to... Uh, 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 invest in my relationship with my wife and have a successful marriage. Here's the truth of the matter. I want all of you to have a successful marriage too. I don't want, I don't want your marriages to fail. I, I don't want your marriages to be weak. I want you to have strong marriages. I want you to be examples to, to, to not only to one another and not only to your children, but even to those that you work with, even to those that you go to church with. You should be a shining example of God's redemptive story. You should be a shining example of the love of God, not only in your life, but in your marriage. People should look at you and say, wow, I wish I had a marriage like that. I wish I was in love like they are. I mean, come on, everybody. Like, you, you, you wouldn't have gotten married if you weren't in love. You wouldn't have gotten married if you, if you had not chosen to say, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this person because I love them. And love, by the way, is not just an emotion. It's a choice. You're saying, for the rest of my life, I am giving my life to you. I am, for the rest of my life, I am going to live for your benefit. Because I love my spouse, that's what I'm going to do. But not only that, love causes me to live for all of your benefits too. So I don't want just my marriage to thrive. I want all of our marriages to thrive. And so here are five steps. This is the real heart of the matter. Five steps to protect your marriage. Number one, this is going to be, there's going to be some people, before I even say this, there, look, everybody look at me. 
There, is, there are going to be some people in this room that disagree with this. And I don't care. Because this is wisdom. And the ones who defend it, well, I better watch what I say here, are oftentimes the ones that struggle with it. Watch this. Never be alone with the opposite sex. Just don't be alone with them. Just don't be alone. You say, where's that at in the Bible? Actually, can I tell you something? Wisdom is all the way throughout the entirety of the Bible. And, and the best verse that I, could, that I could give you in this moment, and I could talk to you about temptations, and I could talk to you about uh, you know, being aware of the enemy's schemes, I could talk to you about, but I, I came up with this verse in 1 Thessalonians 5.22. I've taught it to my kids their whole life. I've taught it to so many types, of, or so many people. And it literally says this, that we abstain from even the appearance of evil. That we abstain as passionately devoted followers of Christ. We abstain from even the appearance of evil. Now, if you see me and, and I'm in a restaurant and I'm sitting across from a woman that's not my wife, how many knows that has the appearance of evil? I'm not going to do that. I'm just not going to do that. I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll say this, even, and, and I know because a lot of people immediately think, well, pastor, where I work at, it's, you just have to every now and then. Okay, if you have to, you need to do a few things. First of all, talk to your boss and say, boss, I'm sorry, I don't really feel comfortable with this. Can I do this in another place? Can I meet with this person in a room that is, is, it has glass all the way around it? where people can see in. Can, can, I, can I do this without being alone with this person? It would just make me feel more comfortable. And if your boss is wise, he or she will say, absolutely, I, I, I know what you're doing. That's good. Good job. Now, if, if that cannot happen, you, you need to know that sometimes people call, and I tell everybody, if, if, if you want to come and meet with me, the answer is always yes. Yes, you can come. And sometimes it's, it's, a, it's a, a single mom who's going through some struggles in their life, and I'll do one of two things. 99% of the time, I'll tell them, my wife and I are available at this point. Can you meet us? So I always, now sometimes, on a rare occasion, that just can't work. On a rare occasion, sometimes they just show up. And at that point, my door just stays wide open. And I've had some ladies say, hey, can we shut the door? And I just tell them, no, I'm sorry, I can't. For accountability's sake, the door has to stay open. I'm sorry. And, 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 and they understand. I've never had somebody get up and walk out and say, well, I'm just not going to be here then. Well, if that's your attitude, you probably do need to go. I probably don't want to sit down and talk with you. How many know what I'm talking about, right? So, so never be alone with the opposite sex. Just don't do it. It's not wise. It's not wise when other people look at you, and it, and it, and it certainly won't help you live above temptation. Because when you're alone with somebody, the devil is sneaky, and he'll start planting ideas in your head, and you'll start thinking thoughts that you never thought you would think. Don't be alone with someone of the opposite sex. Number two, never put down your spouse in front of others. Be loyal. 
be loyal. One thing I know about my wife, you can complain all day. Ladies, you can complain all day long about your husband to my wife, and she will never put me down. She is loyal to me at all times, and I am loyal to her. I never put her down. And, and what happens is, and we just do that, we just do that in general. That's our way of honoring each other. That if we have issues, we talk about that behind closed doors to one another because we, we communicate openly and honestly and in love, by the way. We fix issues behind closed doors. And if we need to get help, we're not above give it, getting help. But here's, here's something that I've learned. When you start putting down your, your spouse in front of somebody else and you start telling them your heart, Guys, if you go to another woman, you start, oh, my wife is this and my wife is that. And then all of a sudden, they'll start becoming emotionally attached. Well, you shouldn't be feeling that way. And boy, I can't believe she treats you like that. And all of a sudden, an emotional attachment takes place. And you, you are giving, if you are putting down your spouse in front of others, you are, you are allowing the devil to, to put a foothold in your life, to put a stronghold in your life. You're opening, let me say this, you're opening the door to the devil's schemes. So just don't do it. Well, pastor, I'm married to a louse. Uh, I don't care. See Dr. Bill. Come and talk to us. Like, make an appointment with me and my wife. We'll, we'll, we'll help you as best we can. So if you're going to talk, make sure it's with a pastor or with a counselor. If you say, well, we have this other couple that we're just, we're just best friends. No. The answer is no. If you have another couple and you're best friends and, and you live life together and all of a sudden you're, you're alone with your best friend's wife, never put down, in fact, never be alone. Never be, not even with them. Well, we're best friends. I don't care. You just don't do it. If you agree with this so far, say amen. Amen. How many know that this is wisdom? Say amen. Some of you need convincing. Let's keep going. So never be alone with the opposite sex. Never put down your spouse in front of others. Number three, make a successful marriage your priority. Make a successful marriage your priority. If you have issues in your marriage, go and talk to somebody, but make sure it's the right person. Go, go and talk to, 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 to one of the pastors here on staff. Go and talk to, to our counselor. Actually, all of our counseling, by the way, if, if you want to see Dr. Bill, it all comes through me. It all comes through me because we give, we give the, the, the ones who are in most crisis, the, the biggest crisis, get first get dibs, for lack of a better word. You know, you know what I'm talking about. And oftentimes, my wife and I will take a couple for two or three or four weeks until Bill's schedule opens up, and then we'll feed that person to Dr. Bill if we're not able to handle it ourselves. And so you need to come and tell us. You need to say, hey, pastor, something, something is wrong in our marriage, and we just need help. And I'm telling you, uh, we're here to help you. Get involved in a marriage small group. Get, get involved with a mentoring couple. We have mentoring couples right here at New Song that can mentor you in your marriage. Just get some help and make your marriage a priority. Make, make let me say it like this, but even more, uh, more detailed. Make your spouse your priority outside of your relationship with God. So I'm going to invest in my spouse. I'm going, I'm going to give, a, a, this is just a typical week in the Chambers household. And, and we'd probably drive our kids nuts. Because I'm just, we, I hug my wife eight or ten times a day. I tell her I love her eight or ten times a day. I, I, when the kids are looking, I pinch her on the rear end. 
Some of you do more than that. I can tell from the look on your faces. You're like, that's nothing, Pastor. <laughs> Woo, okay, I don't want to hear about that. But I, I, want, I want my kids to know that I find my wife just so attractive, just so beautiful. I, I want them to know that, that, that I love their mama and that she comes first. And sometimes my kids are like, oh, you guys are gonna, you're going to leave us at home. Yes, I am going to leave you at home because I love my wife. I won't have you forever, but I'll have her forever. And I'm going to invest in my wife. So, so it's not always, my kids are not always happy when I take my wife out on a date night or a date weekend. They're not always happy. But I don't care because my marriage is my priority outside of my relationship with God. That's how it works, everybody. And by the way, if you invest in your spouse, there, you will get a return on investment. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Number four, if tempted to sin, magnify the consequences. If tempted to sin, magnify the consequences. Look, look at, look at the, the way your life is now, and odds are it's probably not perfect. But do you want to damage your children for the rest of their lives? Let, let me say something even equally as important, if not more. The guilt associated with that, the devil will use that against you for the rest of your life, and it has the potential to affect your relationship with Jesus for the rest of your life. I'm just telling you. Magnify the consequences. Is it worth the loss of your children for that one night stand? And we can all sit here and say, no way, pastor, it's not worth that. Then magnify the consequences and don't do it. Magnify the consequences. And then number five, grow in your relationship with Christ. Grow in your relationship with Christ. Everybody put your sermon notes away because the next verse will be up on your screen, but I want you to grow in your relationship with Christ. Let me say it like this, and I teach my, my kids this, I, I teach others this. It, it's hard to sin when you've spent the whole day in prayer, right? It, it's hard to sin when you wake up in the morning and you, you spend time with Jesus, and you spend time in his word. The Bible says we hide his word in our heart that we might not sin against him. Did you know it's hard to sin when you invest in the word of God? It's hard to sin when you spend time in prayer. It's hard to sin when you start your day by doing something like this. Jesus, I just love you. I honor you today. I give you my life. I give you my family. I give you my job. I give you my worship. I give you everything I have. Father, be exalted in, in, in me in this day, Lord. I pray that you would be exalted in me, that you would be magnified in me, that when people see me, they see you. Father, help me to walk in the light of life, in the light of your love. Help me to walk under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and in your power in this day. Father, I give myself to you. Do you know how hard it is to, to, to sin when you start your day like that? Come on, everybody. we got to grow in our relationship with the Lord. We've got to grow in our relationship with the Lord.
because it's hard to sin when you're in a right relationship with Jesus. It's hard to. The Bible says this, the book of Romans chapter 12, 9 and 10, love must be sincere. Who are we supposed to love first and foremost? Our Savior. And when we love him, it must be sincere. So if it is sincere, then we hate what is evil and we cling to what is good and we're devoted to one another in love and we honor one another above ourselves. That's what real love is. That's what real love does. And if you are really growing in your relationship with Jesus and you're loving Jesus more and more every single day, can I tell you, the the more that you grow in Christ, the more that you'll hate evil. And the the more that you'll love good. When you grow in your relationship with with Jesus Christ and you love Jesus first and foremost, it's so much easier to be devoted to one another in love, to give yourself away to the Lord Jesus Christ as you honor Him and adore Him and live the life that he wants you to live. It's so much easier to do that when you're absolutely in love with him. Would you stand up with me today? Are you absolutely in love with Jesus? Are you absolutely in love with Jesus? Are you growing in your relationship with the Lord? Do you love him with everything that you have? And that's where we start. That's where we start. And right now, if you're in a relationship that is not right, it's just improper and you know it. And you, you've been sitting here the soul service saying, I don't like this. I, don't, I, don't, I wish I wouldn't have come today. Can I tell you, it's a good thing you came today because God is revealing something in your life and he wants you, he wants you to live your best life. And giving into that temptation, I promise you, that is not your best life. It's not your best life. And today's a day of repentance for you. Today's a day where you change your mind about that. And you reveal that to somebody. You need to go to somebody. The Bible says that we confess our sins one to another. We do that. We go to God for forgiveness, but we go to others for healing. We go to others for accountability. So we go to we go to somebody and say, hey, you know what? I've been tempted with that lately, and I just need to say it out loud. You say, I don't know who to go to. I'm here. Our pastors are here. Your small group leader's there. Prayer team members will be down here. Just just voice it. You got to, you got to, I'm telling you, the, the power of sin is in its secrecy. Secret sins are powerful sins, so don't hang on to it. You got to let it out. You got to tell somebody. And let's just love Jesus with everything that we have. Could you close your eyes with me today? I'm not going to ask. I am not going to ask. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I'm not here to embarrass you this morning. I am going to give you a chance to get right with God, though. So maybe you're just dealing with this, this temptation, and you're saying, today is a day of deliverance for me. I'm just going to, I'm going to do what's right by the grace and the power of God in my life. I'm just choosing to repent of that. Then today's your day of victory. But maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You say, I would love to grow in Christ, but, but I just never made Jesus Lord of my life. I, and I'm ready to do that right now. I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus. 
Now, for that, I will ask you to raise your hand. I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus. Raise your hand really high. Let me see who you are. All right. So proud of you. You you can put your hands down. So proud of you. So proud of you. About six people raised their hands. So proud of you. Let's pray. And if you raise your hand for salvation, I'm going to pray a prayer. And in your heart, you just say, Jesus, that's me. Or you tell them whatever you want to tell them. Because it's not about your words, it's about your heart. Jesus, we come before you today, and we long to be in a relationship with you. We long to be in a growing relationship with you. Father, we know that we've sinned and fallen short of your glory. We know that we haven't just made mistakes, but we've been rebellious in our thoughts and in our actions and in our words. We have sinned against you. And for that, Heavenly Father, we want to say we are so sorry. We realize that we are in need of a Savior. Jesus, we realize we're in need of you. And we confess our sins. And we call out to you, Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. I surrender my life to you. And Lord, I'm so grateful that every single person, according to your word, who calls on the name of the Lord, they are saved. And so for every person in this room that have called upon your name, Jesus, we celebrate the fact that they have now come into the kingdom of God. They have been adopted into your family, and they are now children of the Most High God. Their sins have been forgiven because they have called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and believed in him. And for that, we celebrate today and we honor you. You get all of the praise and all of the glory for that in this day. We thank you that you don't count our sins against us. We thank you that you remove our sins as far as the east is from the west. We celebrate that today, Father. You get all of the glory. And for every other person in this room that's been tempted, they've been tempted to sin, they have relationships that they shouldn't have right now, Father, I pray that you would empower them by your Holy Spirit to stand up to that temptation to stand up, to rise up in faith and say, I will not sin against God and against others. I will embrace holiness. I will embrace integrity. I'm going to do what's right. Lord, I pray that you would empower them to reveal that to somebody, to talk to somebody about that. Lord, I pray that you would get the right person in their path so that that they could talk about it and their marriages and their life could be healed by the glory and the power of your name. I speak that over new song. And I pray, Father, that every single person in this room. Come on, new song. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord very quickly. Lord, I pray that every single person in this room would have a growing and awesome relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we come before you today realizing that you are good, that you're faithful, that you're kind, that you're merciful, that you're compassionate. Father, we realize that you love us and we make a decision today to grow in our relationship with you, to invest in our relationship with you. We make a commitment today to read your word, study your word, to pray, to worship you, to surrender ourselves to you every single day. And that's what we do right here, right now. We surrender ourselves to you. Lord, have your way in us, we pray. Have your way in me. I pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.